Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Politicking Podcast with me, Ben Murray. And me, Stuart Thompson. So how have you been, Stuart? Have you had a busy few weeks? You've got up so much? Just just watching the uh, news of the reshuffle, King's speech. Just life life is full of politics, Ben. That's uh, well, my life is anyway. <laughs> so that's that's how I keep myself busy. That and uh, that and watching football. Oh yeah, yeah. Just keep keeping busy with those two. I mean, plenty to plenty to kind of talk about on, in the politics world. I suppose from the uh, past couple of weeks, Stuart. Um, especially the past week, actually, like loads has happened, doesn't it? Um, and I mean, we'll, we'll jump into this now. So. It looks like Rishi's officially pushed the reshuffle button. I know we've been kind of talking about it for the past couple of podcasts. When's he going to kind of do this and stuff like that? And it looks like, I suppose, Suella Braverman has kind of forced his hands in some way. Um, so he, so Suella, Suella's obviously been sacked, as everyone's probably seen. And the other big news was David Cameron, the former Prime Minister, has made a return as uh, Foreign Secretary. So... Should we have a, a bit of a recap of perhaps how we've got here and the chain of events that's kind of led to this? Um, so perhaps let's let's start with Suella Braverman then. So the now former Home Secretary. Um, so for the past few weeks, she's been coming out with a number of quite controversial quotes and statements, uh, particularly around her comments on homelessness being a life choice and looking to ban sleeping in tents on the streets, which I think has now actually been reverted by government and wasn't in the King's speech. But um, it was another kind of really strange comment from here. Um, And then more recently, she's been declaring the pro-Palestine marches and protests for a ceasefire in Gaza as hate marches. Um, She's also heavily criticised the police and how they were dealing with the protests. And then this has then boiled over with a bit of violence on the weekend from kind of far-right groups and a bit of conflict between the marches as well. Um, so both both of these were heavily criticised by the opposition, Keir Starmer, um, especially in PMQs, I see, I see he kind of really was going at, at kind of Suella in that. And Rishi didn't look too happy in, in PMQs with her as well. There was a very glum uh, Rishi sat, ne- sat next to her, Stuart, wasn't there? Um so I mean, she has she has been prodding and pushing a look over the past few weeks, often going against government policy on a lot of subjects. And I suppose it felt like stoking the culture wars, and almost felt like she wanted to be sacked. I, I mean, reading between the lines, that's that's how I kind of seen it. Um, and I I think perhaps this is down to her own aspirations of becoming leader. Perhaps not being happy with the way Rishi's kind of taken the Conservative Party, how how it's kind of going in terms of the position in the polls and all that kind of stuff. Um. So yeah, so as I said, Monday, Rishi pressed the button, sacked her, and this kind of triggered a bit of a reshuffle in the party. Um, but the, I think there is going to be a bit of backlash from Suella coming soon, um, and I'm guessing there's going to be more to come soon. But but let's start with Suella. What what do you think the kind of backlash from kind of the sacking of Suella will, will kind of be, Stuart? I think in the short term, fairly limited. Uh there is the election coming up. We don't know when. We, you know, we've supposed a few times about when that might happen. But you know, the Tories would be, you know, frankly, pretty mad to try and challenge Rishi anytime soon. So we're going to get some sniping. We'll get some griping. We'll get, you know, letters of no confidence going and etc. But to get to the threshold to actually challenge him for the leadership, I think is is some some way away. And and Suella's issue or problem or you know maybe it's not a problem has been when she goes 
and does she go of her own volition or does she go because she's pushed and you're right look this this really goes back to uh, when she was brought back into government by Rishi because effectively she backed him as opposed to any other candidate you know last time around I you know post Liz Truss what happens Rishi comes in at once it was clear that he had her support then he was issuing and no vote needed and he becomes prime minister da, da, da. now that means that he needed her and couldn't really do very much about her so she could be you know as controversial challenging difficult as she wanted to be now most of the time that's sort of quite work for Rishi because she could be the sort of slightly right-wing outrider for her and he could be the more sensible you know uh, you know leader um so you sort of you can be both you can ride both bikes at the same time or ride both horses at the same time whichever you know uh, whatever your form of <laughs> transport is um but it came to such a thing you look you've just listed some of them she seemed to be going out on such a limb that it was difficult for any of the members of the cabinet to back what she said particularly around sort of hate marches and things like that uh and you know let alone the prime minister and at that point you know her position was pretty untenable and she was going to go and that's you know, really what triggered the reshuffle. But we knew a reshuffle was going to come anyway. So that, this was always going to happen because Rishi is so far behind in the opinion polls that he's got to do something to try and yeah. change the situation. Now, we had the King's speech last week, you know, which you mentioned, pretty dull, not much in it, didn't really give much of a sort of a picture of what the government wants to achieve with its last six months or year or so, however it's gone left before they, before they you know, call the general election. So that's sort of petered out. His um, party conference speech a few weeks before that, again, sort of petered out and didn't really get anywhere. It was overshadowed by HS2, which we talked about. Uh, so this is the next way to try and get the polls back together, to try and get some uh, you know, initiative. And that's part of the reason why, I know we're going to talk about it in a second, why you know, David Cameron comes back into government, because it sort of shows that this is a different type of government it's a way of changing the conversation away from oh dear look they're a bit rubbish they're not really dealing with the economy or the nhs we don't really like them very much end of an era and trying to change that conversation i think what was really interesting is the the social media posts they did as well now you know on the one hand <laughs> you know the pictures of um you know deal deal done negotiation yeah. great you know, you know all very uh you know all very football you know um, it, was, wasn't it? it was all very transfer deadline day and um uh you know which uh, you know attracted some of the guy uh you know i can't remember his name now it's terrible isn't it uh, romano um uh, the guy that does the transfer death. Anyway, I'll come back yeah. to it in a moment. That's terrible, isn't it? Really bad podcast when I can't remember the name. Uh, <laughs> put it down to age. Uh, you know, even Fabri- he got involved. Fabrizio Romano. That's Fabrizio Romano. Yeah. That's it. I knew it was Romano. I couldn't remember if Romano was his yeah. first or second name. Sorry, quite right. You're uh, you're much more up on this than Ben <laughs> than I am. Uh, although he's very good. Um, and very good on the other, on the athletic and other podcasts that he appears on. Oh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, so that social media content... Uh, got you know figures way and above that anybody would normally be interested in knowing anything about a reshuffle. So in that sense, yeah, people did know more. The Cameron appointment did, you know, you know, become much more of a story than Suella Gay. Again, that's part of it. Part, you know, a deflection tactic. Let's talk about David Cameron, but let's not talk about Suella. But it comes back to that fundamental point. Does this put him in a better position to win the next general election? And I don't think it does. I don't think it really changes very much at all. No, and I mean, we spoke about it on previous podcasts, Stuart, but like 
why has it took him so long to kind of push the the reshuffle button? Like it seems to me like Suella's been causing him issues for kind of the past like you know months on end. He could have done this a lot earlier, surely. Do you think it was all about lining David Cameron up to kind of be ready to take that position? Or I mean, I know as well in terms of timing, I know as well isn't it some form of um, decision on the Rwanda policy going through the courts this week and a, a decision on that. Do you think he's kind of waited for that to kind of come, but not he didn't want to wait till that decision comes because it'd kind of force his hand to keep it in some ways if it was successful? Do you think it's to do with a bit of both of those? I, I think it's all of those things. I, I, although I, I don't think... I mean, I think, you know, it was it was useful to have her saying outrageous stuff, if we choose our language carefully, um, periodically, because it shows that actually, you know, for that, you know... And, and these are all... Uh, you know, pretty inaccurate cliches, but I, you know, in other words, if the red wall is a bit more working class, a bit more um, uh, reactionary than some other, you know, liberal, leafy metropolitan North London elites, la la la, all that stuff, um, which I don't go with fully, but let's let's just go with that for a second. Therefore, she was talking to that part of the electorate. That suits Rishi. That's fine. The trouble is, the longer that goes on, and the more weird and wonderful some of those conversations come about, you know, tents living in the streets and tents being a lifestyle child, you know, that becomes pretty uncomfortable for a lot of people within the Conservative, uh, you know, MPs and, and the Cabinet as well. You start to lose it. But then it comes down to timing. So when, yeah. um, when um, you know, when Rishi is making his conference speech and saying about 30 failed years, etc., well, that's David Cameron. When he critis- when he cancels HS2 and Cameron reacts and says that was a terrible decision, to all intents and purposes, yeah. It sort of shows this wasn't real. I think this came late. I think this came, you know, within the matter of, you know, probably a couple of weeks, uh, you know, allegedly, um, uh, you know, William Hague, again, former uh, leader of the Conservative Party uh, and uh, former, um, you know, Foreign Secretary sort of helped, you know, set all this up. I think it's relatively yeah. recent. I think it's otherwise he wouldn't have said what he said about, you know, failed Conservative governments in the past because it sort of comes back to bite him on the backside uh, now. But again, once you sort of go down that route, then you look for, OK, do we do it before the Rwanda decision, which is going to come soon, you know, apparently through the courts. You know, if she, you know, if they win it, you know, you, she's untouchable because she's done it. If they lose it, you know, you get rid of her because of that, then she looks like a martyr. You know, those yeah. other... So you're right, it, all of this then starts to come back and you sort of try and work out the team around Rishi will try and work out if we're going to do this, when's the best time to do it. So you can't do it before the weekend and the, the protests. So you have to do it after that, because otherwise, again, you, you're sort of preempting what may have happened in, you know, in, in arrests and the, you know, yeah. the, the conflicts, etc. On, on the streets of London, maybe. So it has to be after that, but it has to be before Rwanda. And then you end up, as we did at the beginning of this week, really, where it all starts to come to shape. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've seen rumours today as well that she's... Um got a bit of dirt on Rishi apparently so I mean watch this space and I mean I don't know what that's going to be in relation to I'm guessing something to do with the Covid inquiry that's been hidden or something like that I don't know I don't nothing's really been leaked on that yet but I don't think it's the end of the Suella Braverman chapter personally Stuart I don't know I, I agree with you entirely she wants the leadership yeah, it's entirely yeah. obvious I mean she's um, uh, you know she stood before pretty sure she stood before um, she wants it you know, yeah, she wants yeah. it. And there's enough, even if she is wavering, there are enough people around her that want her yeah, as leader. Yeah. So, um, absolutely. So, you're right. None of this can be seen without thinking about the, 
you know the naked politics of it that you know yeah, the, yeah. The, the leadership shenanigans and we've had enough of that over the last few years and again actually do we really want you know does the country really want more into warfare between you know members of the conservative cabinet and uh, no i think that's boring yeah, people yeah. are worried about the nhs and the economy and schools and all the normal bread and butter yeah, everyday yeah. stuff of life that's what they're most interested in so if suella wants to come out and start you know dishing dirt well yeah it might make her feel better for a while it won't do them any good in the polls it might make their election defeat worse. In fact, it may even be that actually she doesn't get to get to come, you know, leader because, you know, she suffers or those around her who support her currently don't get back in. A whole range of different unknowns. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's uh, let's wait and see any uh, revelations that come out of that one and stuff like that. But I suppose moving on to the huge shock news, which we've already kind of touched on, um, about David Cameron being appointed as Foreign Secretary. Um, so he's took up James Cleverley's old old post, and and just for information for the view for the listeners, James Cleverley has now gone over to be Home Secretary, which was formerly uh, Suella Braverman's post. So. Just tying them loose ends up, Stuart. <laughs> I thought it might be useful. Um, but yeah, so the, the big shock news was obviously the return of the cam, David Cameron. Um, so Rishi, Rishi's brought, obviously, a former Prime Minister back in. Um, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, like you said, you know, you've touched on it. It's to offset kind of Sue other Braverman going and, and kind of bringing in a big name, a big figure to, to kind of offset that. What... <sighs> What I was struggling with a little bit, Stuart, was I didn't actually realise it was legal, to be honest. And this is probably my lack of knowledge on, on these political things. But I didn't actually realise it was legal that you could have someone serving in government cabinet, cabinet um, who is not an MP. I thought you had to be an MP so you could be kind of scrutinised by you know members of parliament and stuff. Whereas I know David Cameron's sitting in the House of Lords, which is slightly different. You're not elected to the House of Lords, um, which I think is a, a key point to, to raise. How's that dynamic going to work? Because I, I think Foreign Secretary as well, that, that's a huge post really, isn't it? That's that's quite a big responsibility. Something that I think should be scrutinised personally, um, especially in the times that we're living in with kind of, you know, the war in Ukraine, the Gaza situation, all that kind of stuff. He's got a lot to do, and I think it's—I do think it's really important. He, he does come before Parliament. So I don't know. Can you shed any light on kind of why why this is why this is allowed to be? Well, yeah. It, I mean, yes, it is allowed, um, but you have to be a member of Parliament, i.e., one House Commons or Lords. So you're right. He was sitting in his back garden, idling away his hours, um, you know, lobbying for China, uh, as as the allegation would go. Um, and uh, you know Greensill and others. So you know he's been he's been you know um, involved in politics in a broader sense since he left uh, office, but not in a serving way. This is this is Rishi bringing him back in. But to do so, he had to make him a member of the House of Lords, which has already happened, um, so that he can do that. Now that's fine. You're right. Yeah, look, it's not the same. It's not you know the cut and thrust of politics isn't quite the same in the House of Lords as it is in the Commons. Now it's not that he will be without scrutiny. Of course he will in the House of Lords, um, but the general feeling is it's not quite the same. So they'll look at ways to maybe increase the level of scrutiny that he's under. You know, it, it, it's the UK's, you know, 
he is the UK's effectively ambassador around the world, isn't he? Too. I mean, there's obviously more to it than that, a lot more to it than that. But, you know, that's, he has that sort of profile. Now, obviously, by being a former prime minister, he has connections and, um, you know, relationships and a profile that will help in that. But equally, he has a profile and a reputation of Brexit, of some of the work that he's been doing since he left office um, around, uh, you know, dodgy lobbying, uh, you know, and things like that, which of which he was found, uh, you know, that he hadn't broken any rules. That says, in my opinion, that says more about the rules rather than what he was doing. It's because he doesn't yeah. cover in-house. So if I was doing it as a consultant, it would be unacceptable. But because he was yeah. working in-house, it is acceptable. Um, only because it's allowed within the, those statutory rules. So, um, but for, yeah, for Rishi, you know, it's a dead cat as well, isn't it? You know, dead cat strategy being you do something that sort of distracts so much from getting rid of Suella that everybody talks about David Cameron instead. Yeah. And in that sense, it's been quite, not completely successful, but quite successful. But ultimately, I think it won't work because of the baggage that Cameron comes with, as I just mentioned. But also, he's not hugely popular within his own party. You know, there were lots of people within the Conservative Party that never quite forgave him for introducing gay marriage. You know, that that was against, you know, his own party, let alone Brexit and walking away. So it's not like you bring in somebody super popular with connections that can really reassure a large part of the party, you know, and that sort of thing. It, 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 I don't think it does very much of that at all. So I'm quite surprised. I th- I- I think, like, as well, Stuart, it's not just the Conservative Party is quite a divisive figure, and I think in terms of, like, the country overall as well, like, you know, he, he left, he left, a, you know, a, a trail of destruction behind him, you know, with Brexit and all that kind of stuff, let other people pick up that, you know, that, that mantle, and then we've had kind of, like, you know, four years where we had all the Brexit negotiations and stuff like that, and he's nowhere to be seen, you know, I've seen a clip of Danny Dyer, but he's right in what he's saying you know he's just kind of scuttled off and then and you know he's had his holiday he's been doing all of his other jobs shall we say his, his side quests and um and now he's back and it, i just feel a bit like how will that land with the public not just the party but the public because it, it was such a big announcement everyone kind of heard david cameron's back and i think is that going to play well with the public? You know, such a divisive figure coming back. I agree. Uh, look, I mean, that's a, it's, a, that, it's a really important point. So you're not only not really appealing to the Conservative Party, you're not appealing to voters. Remainers yeah. think he did a terrible job, and actually a terrible job because he didn't prepare the country for what might happen if the vote was lost. And uh, Brexiteers can't stand him and never stood him anyway so yeah. they'd much have rather have had Nigel Farage in charge of the Conservative Party and who knows that may come true in future but you know um uh, anyway so where where's where's the vote where's where's the upside in this apart from slightly distracting from Suella look I'm not saying he's not going to do a good job he may well do a good job but I think again electorally does it do much does it really change move the dial no yeah, it it feels desperately. I mean, I keep using this word when it comes to the Conservative Party at the minute, and I think it's because they probably are at the minute. It it feels desperate again, and I just, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Stuart. I don't think it's gonna work, to be honest. Um, he does bring a wealth of experience. He brings you know wealth of contacts, all that kind of stuff. But 
in terms of how it helps the Conservatives win the next election, I, I don't think, I don't think it does much in terms of moving that dial. Um, perhaps we'll park David Cameron there because I know they <laughs> just park him in the forest. Yeah, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know, I know, kind of everyone's been talking that to death, haven't they? Um, just looking at kind of you know some of the other key appointments, I suppose, Stuart. So. Big, impo- big appointments include Victoria Atkins, who's been appointed as uh, Secretary of State for Health and Social Care. So another, I'd say another huge move, to be honest, Stuart. That's a huge department. Um, I think the health and social care system is still in a bit of a mess and still needs sorting out big time. Um, obviously, you've got the workforce issues and all that kind of stuff. So she's she's also taking on a huge pro- project there, really, you know, to kind of get that back on track um i've seen kind of some of her background i think she's got you know a bit of experience in ministerial posts and in places like the treasury and things like that um but how how do you think she's going to get on Stuart? do you know anything about kind of victoria atkins or or a previous work or anything like that and why is she kind of why why has she been chosen for that post because that is quite a big one well i think it's more about being a clean uh, forgive the slight pun a clean bill of health it's a, it's a clean yeah. slate. This is, look, Steve, you know, um, Barclay, um, you know, how you, however you feel about how we dealt with the, com, you know, the industrial disputes, etc. Look, frankly, that was the government's line and that's what he had to do. The fact that he has now gone opens up the space for her to come in and solve the, uh, you know, solve the problems. So I would fully expect within a matter of time, you know, reasonably short space of time, the existing industrial conflicts, junior docs, I think, are still going, and some others will be sorted out because they can't go into this winter. Um, you know, especially if we're going into an election, you know, early part of next year, maybe you know, not quite early, but you know, early-ish next year. You can't have the remaining impression of the NHS being one of falling over because it can't cope with COVID and flu and industrial disputes and the the backlog and the waiting lists are getting longer and longer and longer. Da, da, da. So these have to be solved. Getting rid of him, bringing her in, means that those can be dealt with in a way that they couldn't be dealt with under him because the government line, which we he was, you know, you know, fronting, but, you know, that's the government line. So you can feel, you know, in that sense, that's going to sound, you feel a little bit sorry for him. But at least he is still in, for him, for his personal position, at least he is still in the cabinet. It is a demotion, no two ways about it, especially as, you know, again, environment's going to be a wedge issue. Richie doesn't appear, according to a lot of commentators, to be as wedded to climate change um, and the environment as Boris and certainly as some of his predecessors uh, were. And they think that, you know, low emission zone, etc., uh, it's going to be a way to get some, you know, some push against uh, Labour. So he'll be good in that sort of role, but it's definitely a demotion. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more about just sorting out the NHS, getting it on an even keel, get those industrial disputes done and dusted so that you can go into the, um, uh, you know, next election, having not having that as the impression of what's going on in the NHS, but more importantly, getting the backlogs down. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, and and I suppose Stuart, as, you, as you've just touched on, Steve Barkley, you know he's he's kind of took up the the mantle for um, environment, food, and rural affairs, and I suppose honourable mention for Theresa Coffey, who had who got walked in the front door, and then um, 
she got sacked, didn't she, and sent sent back out the front door, which was a little bit humiliating for her. Is that right? If I have I got that? Yeah, no, no, she did. I what I what I haven't uh, what I can't remember uh, from yet. I got it was only yesterday as well, wasn't it? Uh, it I, I was whether she decided to walk. I think she may have decided to walk rather than be pushed. Okay. Uh, okay. Because she was a bit of a supporter of uh, Liz Truss and so on, so I think I think the decision was her her own. So we may be doing her a little bit of a disservice by suggesting that you know Rishi uh, pulled the trigger. Um, but again, look, you know, big name, uh, big name, big name in some households, uh, less so in others. Yeah. But you know, another name that we'd be familiar with from here you know, looking at these things that's gone, and there were a number of them. So some some um, ministers were you know a bit like Suella being the high, by far the highest profile but some of the junior ministerial people going you know and he, and he still brings in some you know some others as well so um but the the main changes were really you know that you know those ones were the you know home foreign and and health really weren't they yeah i mean just looking at kind of the balance of cabinet nod and stuart and i'm i'm thinking more in terms of kind of like you know, right wing, more centrist kind of thing. How, how does it kind of leave it now? As because all I'm thinking is, you know, if he's got rid of a really kind of right wing divisive figure like Suella Braverman, is he trying to, you know, you know, by bringing in David Cameron, bringing in some of the other kind of names we've been talking about there, is he trying to make them look a little bit more like towards the centre, a bit more similar to kind of where Keir Starmer's at with the Labour Party, it and. Also, how's that going to kind of lie? You do, do you know what I mean? So, it, would you say it's gone more centrist, or would you say he's still got it kind of balanced, quite centre right kind of thing? I think he's still sort of centre right balanced because I mean, there's certainly a couple of the more, well, I say not more junior ministers, but Andrea Leadsom is back, um, and Estimate Vey's been given a has, has been brought back as well. She's been you know spending the last couple of months presenting on GB News with her husband. Um, so, you know, uh, there are a, a, a good splattering of, you know, good, solid, you know, right wing type, um, you know, politicians there. Um, it, it, it sort of, I suppose what it does, is it gives, it gives the cabinet a character that you can, you know, pick up on the bits that you like, you know, so that if, you know, you can, you can, you'll see some people there that you like, you'll see some people there that you dislike, but as long as overall you think, yeah, that sort of looks all right, then, you know. And, and it's not dominated. So Suella dominated. This cabinet is going to be dominated by, you know, uh, any one particular one. Once we've sort of lost interest in, um, you know, David Cameron, he can, you know, go off and do some international visits and we'll, we'll lose interest and, you know, it'll be back to the normal business. So I think, I think, you know, I think he's tried to strengthen his cabinet. I'm not sure he succeeded in that, but I think he's tried to strengthen it. I think he has tried to promote a few sort of newer intake ones, which he has done. He's tried to bring back a few faces that people will recognise as, you know, good and solid conservatives, which he's managed to do. But I don't know if that makes any difference. No. Um that's no. that's that's again, I mean I know we're gonna sound like a bit of a you know stuck um stuck record during this pod, but that's that's the you know does it does it change the dial? I just don't think it does. And I think the Ben, the point that you made is actually, you know, have they, and sort of summarising, but you know, have they replaced one divisive figure, Suella, with another divisive figure of the past in Cameron, and maybe Rishi has just underestimated how divisive Cameron is. Yeah, and just on that point, which I did forget to make before, actually, on the David Cameron stuff. A lot of Rishi's rhetoric has been around 
you know, we want to change from kind of the past 13 years. We're different to the past 13 years, but he's just come right back to the start of the past 13 years by appointing the man who started it all, really. Do you, do you know what I mean? So, like, I feel like even that is, like, it's a bit contradictory to what he's trying to do. And I suppose my head is just a little bit baffled with where he's trying to go. And it, I think that's why it feels so desperate. It just feels like the last throw of the dice that you can think of. And like, like you said, Stuart, I just don't think it's going to be a winning formula, to be honest, you know. No, and I think, I mean, you know, um, we're equally as guilty. There, there is a sort of a, a train of thought which, which puts Cameron in a sort of a slightly more centrist, slightly more, you know, user-friendly version of the party. But actually, if you look back at his record and that of George Osborne, and they were, you know, like, you know, together in those, in that, in those um, 2010 post 2010 governments austerity you know they they are the architects of austerity now you could argue i mean you work at local authorities you know you've seen the damage that's been done to local communities by austerity you know you've seen firsthand how local authorities are having to do even more with so much less you know mm-hmm. nowadays as a direct consequence of uh, austerity you could make an argument which actually says look a lot of the problems that the country faces now are because of austerity so actually you're right you know it's a circle thing again isn't it i think you're right you know you sort of go back to the start but this is the guy that put those policies in place that had such damage on the country and uh he's not quite as centrist as we might think he is but equally he's not quite the sort of the arch right winger that you also need if you are that way you know inclined because of brexit and because of other yes other issues uh, as well yeah. so yeah i think Stuart, it it's down it's down to the leaders we've had isn't it that have been like you know with the boris johnson to the world and stuff like that which i've been so, we've gone so far kind of right wing do you know what i mean that when we look back to when we had David Cameron, it, it it does look a lot softer in terms of like softer right, like you know. So, yeah, I suppose that's probably why we look at him with not rose tinted glasses, but I suppose you don't think he's as extreme as perhaps some of the, the other leaders that we've had with his policies. But like you say, austerity has had like an absolute detrimental impact on kind of communities and stuff like that. And I think, I think in some ways you know, local governments have been a bit of a victim of their own success in terms of managing the budgets and things like that because they have just kind of had the, the budgets decimated year on year by central governments and they've just got on with it. And I think it's only now, which, we you know, we've touched about on about this on other podcasts, it's only now you're starting to see kind of some local authorities kind of go bust, you know, like the Birmingham's and, and things like that. And I think we will actually start to see a lot more of those because we've reached literally tipping point now where, it, you know, it's it's gone on a bit too long. We can't carry on funding the services that we need to. And like you say, communities are just, they're the ones feeling the brunt of this with all the services that are being cut and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you're right. It's been, and, you know, I know we're meant to be quite balanced on this podcast and I think we are a lot of the time, but I think that's been one of the things really that's, been a bit of a downfall for this country and then when you add the brexit side into that and there's no kind of investment coming into the country and all that kind of stuff it's just a real recipe for disaster i suppose and i think that's where we're at as a country at the minute well uh, i mean the reality is ben that you know whichever government gets in next time 
you know, whatever we think are the causes of the challenges that the country faces, the government has to deal with them. Yeah. The government has to deal with, you know, the schools issues, the backlog in the NHS, um, the workforce issues, lack of training, lack of productivity. So, say in some sense, I mean, okay, the causes do matter because you, you need to address the causes to make the pro- you know the problem better. But, um, you know, we don't have to blame people. That's that's this is where we are. But the reality is that these are the issues that will need to be yeah. addressed by the country, by the club parties and then voted on by the country come the next general election. What sort of country do mm-hmm. we want? What is it we want to address? And how are those politicians? What's the programme they're going to put towards the country to solve those problems? Then we get our vote. Yeah. And I have to say, Stuart, I think looking at the opposition party in, in Labour, I still don't think we've perhaps seen enough from them to kind of offer a solution to these issues. And I think... It, I think that's probably, you know, I think that they are probably going to kind of ramp home on the, on the next election and, and win. You know, that's what kind of the polls are telling us. But I still don't, I, I st- for me, I, I, you know, I've still not seen enough from them to kind of say we've got a solution to each of these issues. And I think it's because they are really complex issues and, you know, more might come out as we approach a general election and as one's called. And once we see the manifestos, it, you know, policy development might start to really kind of ramp up then. But it still feels a little bit touchy from from Labour, and maybe it's because they don't want to share their ideas so that the Conservatives can nick it and, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I, I need to see more from both parties, you, you know, to kind of really kind of make a decision on what's going to be best for the, the country next. And I'm sure a lot of folks are the same. Yeah, yeah, look, and it will give us something to talk about in the future podcast as well, Ben. It will, it will. So maybe, Stuart, that is a good place to kind of leave it there. <laughs> and I think, yeah, we're, we're on half an hour, so we've done good good on our timings and stuff as well. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Um, we'll be back again soon. I know we've got the autumn statement um, next week, haven't we, Stuart? So maybe we can do one in a, a week or so's time. But um, we'll be discussing that on the next podcast. And, um, yeah, thanks for joining me, Stuart. Brilliant. Yeah, no, fantastic to be there. And... Uh... Yeah, we'll just keep reading the uh, the fallout from the reshuffle over the next few days as well, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be more coming out from that. So, um, yeah, keep our eyes peeled. But thanks for listening, everyone. And, um, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, all. See you Cheers soon. All. Bye-bye. Bye.